0: Well, I want to say again, uh, hello and uh, good uh, morning to all of you who are watching us online. Again, uh, it's just, you know, not the same uh, without you being here, but I always preach for an audience of one, and the Lord is here. And before I get into my message, let me just say one thing to all of us today. I... Um, I'm concerned like you're concerned. I'm, I'm burdened like you're burdened. I hurt for people that have already lost their jobs, or are not sure if they're going to keep their job, or they're already looking at you know how how they're going to feed their family and pay their bills. And I want to be super sensitive to that. So I just want you to know that I'm praying for you constantly. I am believing the Lord, but I want you to think about one thing. I can't control what's happening, and you can't either. I don't know when it's going to end, and you don't either but I know how it's going to end. It is going to end by God keeping his word, which is what we're gonna talk about today, and this is what I want you to think about. When we look back when all this is over, will we be ashamed of the way we acted and reacted, or will we be thankful for the way we responded and the way we trusted God? Because what God is looking at right now, and both you and me, it's not how this is going to end, it's how we are going to respond. And that's why I wanna share with you that the very first lesson I can remember, remember my dad teaching me, frankly, it was one I didn't really quite understand at first, but it, it really has stuck with me throughout my life. I remember one time, <clears throat> I was just a kid, and, and my dad sat me down, I don't remember what the occasion was, but my dad sat me down, and he said five words to me that really changed my life. He said, your word is your bond. And I didn't totally understand it then. In fact, I remember thinking at the time, what is a bond? But later my dad expanded on that, and he said, son, you are no better than your word. Well, I, I went back to learn the history of that saying, and I was surprised to learn that in that specific form, your word is your bond, that's been the motto of the London Stock Exchange for centuries. It's been traced back to 1500 when a Scottish source said, and I'm quoting, a king's word should be a king's bond. That is such a big deal to God <clears throat> that an entire chapter in the Bible, Numbers 30, is given over to this one thing theme, theme of keeping vows and fulfilling promises. Moses was giving instructions to the children of Israel. They're getting ready to cross over into the promised land and he lays down this foundational principle. He's telling them how to treat each other, how to live, how to conduct themselves, and he lays down this principle. He said, when a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, in other words, when he makes a promise, when he gives his word, God said, he must not break his word, but must do everything he said. In other words, Thousands of years ago, God laid down a universal principle for all of us. Your word is your bond. It's even more binding than a contract. And oh, by the way, God holds himself to the very same standard. As a matter of fact, that standard comes from his very character. There's a story in the Bible where God told Balaam, who was going to a king named Balak, he was a prophet. And, and Balak wanted Balaam to curse the people of Israel and God would not allow Balaam to do that. But he was talking to Balaam about how he should, to, to, should talk to this king named Balak. And here's what he said to this prophet. God is not human that he should lie. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? In other words, we can break our word. We do break our word. There's been a time in your life you've broken a promise. There's been a time in my life I've broken mine. But listen to me. We can break our word, and we have. God can't, and God won't. He'll never break his word. He will never break a promise. And there's a story in the Gospel of John, and I want to encourage you to turn to the Gospel of John. Four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In John chapter 4, there is this beautiful story. It's a remarkable incident that took place in the life of a man who met Jesus for just a brief time. And in that encounter, he learned just how true that is, just how true it is that God keeps his word. As a matter of fact, he faced a crisis like you and I are facing a crisis right now. But when he learned in this encounter with Jesus... That God is a God that keeps his word. When he learned about the God whose word is his bond, he didn't just get excited. He went from darkness to light, from blindness to sight, from weakness to might, and from wrong to right, literally overnight. And we are, at least I can tell you for me, we're facing the greatest crisis of our lifetime. I think it's greater than 9-11. And as we face this crisis, let's do what this man did. Let's face it together and let's learn this about the God that keeps his word. Lesson number one, when grief strikes, he keeps his word. When grief strikes, he keeps his word. Grief has struck all of us. We're worried, we've got fear, we've got doubt, we've got uncertainty, it hovers over us like a cloud that won't go away. Well, listen to what this man was dealing with. We're in John chapter four. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee where he had turned the water into wine. This is Jesus. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Now, here's a man, he's called a royal official, literally means a king's man. He was an officer in the king's court. So in other words, he made big bucks, bucks, he had high-powered connections, he had strong political ties, he had tremendous influence, but he had a problem he couldn't solve. He had a problem that his money couldn't Pay his way, buy his way out of. He had a problem that all the influence in the world with even the king himself would do him absolutely no good. You think you got a problem? He had a son that was at the point of death. Now, I guarantee you, this man had spared no expense. He had hired the finest doctors. He had bought the most expensive medicine, but all this man could do was kind of do what we're doing what right now, watching helplessly as the life of his son was slowly, slowly flowing right out of his body. Maybe for the first time, this nobleman, this king's man, maybe for the first time he realized just how little power, influence, and money means when you've got a loved one standing literally at death's door. You know, we're seeing that today with this coronavirus. You can be rich, powerful, influential, famous, but if your name is Tom Hanks, you can still get the virus. If your name is Kevin Durant, you can still get the virus. And people are teaching us today that money and power and influence are powerless against disease and disaster and death. But there's something in the story that I want you to think about that I bet you would miss if you just read this story. This man had probably never ever bothered coming to Jesus and he would never have come to Jesus had it not been for the trouble that came into his life. Because up till now, far as we know, Jesus was not on his radar screen. He was not on his Christmas card list. It was a dying son that brought him to a divine savior. It was trouble and tragedy that brought this man to meet Jesus. And let me tell you why I say this. There's some of us right now, you may be fighting this tendency and it's kind of natural. You get bitter toward God. You're upset with God because of all this that's happening right now that we didn't see coming into our lives. And you keep asking God, Why did you allow this trouble to come into my life? God, I I had just gotten this job. God, I just bought this house. God, I just purchased this car. God, I had so many plans. Why did you allow this trouble to come into my life? I want you to remember something. Anytime that trouble comes into your life, I know there's always at least one purpose. There may be others and probably are, but I know there's always at least one purpose behind it, and that is that it might bring you closer to God. I told you a week or so ago, don't waste this crisis. Don't waste what's going on in our country. Let me tell you why. When trouble comes into your life, if it doesn't lead you to know God better, love God more, and trust God further, you will have wasted a lot of trouble. If at the end of all of this, If you just go back to living your life the way you were living it before, you put God back on the shelf, God's not really first in your life, you will have wasted a lot of trouble. And I'm gonna say something right now you're not going to like, it's gonna be difficult to swallow, but in every tragedy, there's a hidden blessing. Because anything, I don't care what it is, that drives you closer to Jesus, that increases your trust in God, that's a blessing, no matter how bad on the surface it may appear to be. So this father, he comes to Jesus, got a legitimate request. He begs him to come to his home and heal his son. But I want you to notice how Jesus responds. Jesus puts him off. It's kind of interesting what he does. Here's what Jesus said. He said, unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Now, when Jesus said that, he wasn't just talking to this man. He was talking to the crowd that had gathered because there was a bunch of sign seekers there. This was a crowd that was there. They wanted to be entertained by a miracle worker. They were people that had been following Jesus, and they said, hey, show us another one of those miracles you do. We, We saw you turn the water into wine. We've heard about how you walked on the water. Hey, can we see another miracle? They didn't care about the man's boy. They didn't care about him. They just wanted to see Jesus put on another show. Now you say, isn't that terrible? Let's be honest. I'll tell you what I'm seeing right now. Maybe you're seeing something I'm not seeing. I'm not really seeing that this crisis has moved more people to want more of God. I'll tell you what people want. They want the virus to be cured. They want the virus to go away. They just wanna go back to their jobs, go back to doing business as usual. And most of what God can do for us is this. Most of us want God to get all of this out of our lives, to put things back to more normal, where we can go back to living the way we used to live and doing the things that we used to do. Because here's the hard truth. Most people are a lot more concerned about their health than they are His holiness. Most people are more concerned with what God will do for us than what God wants to do in us. And what I want you to understand as this story goes along is, Jesus wasn't nearly concerned about this man's feeling as he was about this man's faith. He wasn't nearly as concerned that this man could see what he could do as he was that this man would come to know who he was. So let me just say this. When grief strikes, he keeps his word. And I can tell you one word he has for you today, he wants to draw you closer to Him than you've ever been. And if you have never known Him, He wants you to know Him like you have never known Him. But the good news when Greece strikes, doesn't matter. The stock market goes down, the virus is in the air, unemployment's going up, things are going to hell in a handbasket. He keeps His word. Which leads to the second thing when God speaks, he keeps his word. When grief strikes, he keeps his word. But when God speaks, he keeps his word. Now watch this. Jesus did what this man wanted him to do. You're gonna find that out in just a moment. However, he didn't do it the way the man wanted him to do it. For some reason, this man wanted Jesus to come to his house, lay hands on his son, heal him. He wanted to see it actually happen right in front of his very eyes. I don't know why. Maybe he thought there was a certain range to Jesus' power, and if you didn't get within a certain striking distance, then Jesus couldn't pull it off. And and what he didn't understand was when when it comes to Jesus, distance makes no difference. He's not limited by time or space. And, And the nobleman tells Jesus to come, and instead Jesus tells this man to go. Isn't that strange? He said, would you come to my house? He said, no, I won't come to your house, but you can go to your house. Why? This man wanted to see Jesus work. All Jesus wanted to do was give this man his word. Now, I want you to understand something. I told you last week, I still believe and I do. I believe in God. I believe a God, in a God who still works miracles today. But I want you to understand this. God has no problem with working miracles. But I'll tell you what he does have a problem with, us demanding miracles. He has a big problem with that, because here's what we do. When you go to a God like I serve and like I know, and you say, hey, I'll believe in you if you keep my job. I'll believe in you if you'll take the virus away. I'll believe in you if you protect my investments. When you say to God, I won't believe what you say until you show me what you're going to do, you dishonor God. You absolutely degrade God. And see, Jesus was more interested in this father's faith than he was in his son's sickness. I got news for you. God's a lot more concerned with your faith than he is with your finances. God is a lot more concerned with your faith than he is with your fitness. God is a lot more concerned about your faith than he is with your fortune. God is a lot more concerned about your faith than he is with your future. You know why? We said it last week, I'll remind you. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So what happened? He says, Lord, would you come to my house and heal my son? Well, Jesus replies, here's what he says. Watch this. Go, your son will live. Now, basically what Jesus said was, No, I've got other things on my calendar. I've got other things to do. In fact, my calendar's going off right now on my watch. Jesus said, and I've got to be somewhere else. So you just go and your son will live. That's all he says. That's it. But look how the man responds. I love this phrase. The man took Jesus at his word. I love that way. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. This man is beginning to learn what trusting God is all about. So let me just make it easy. Trusting God simply means you believe that God will do what God says he will do. Maybe not in your time, maybe not in your way, maybe not with your method, but trusting God simply means you believe that God will do what God says He will do. You know, I told you last week that we talked about seeing is believing or believing is seeing. And if you happen to miss that message, let me just kind of repeat one thing. We kind of live in this way. Well, seeing is believing and yet the Bible also teaches that believing is seeing. So that's why this man said, Lord, here's what he was really saying. If you will come to my house and you'll heal my son and let me see with my own eyes that you can do this, that you can heal him, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll believe in you. Jesus didn't take the bait. He said, no, not gonna do that. I'm not going to give you my presence. I'm not going to even show you my power. But I'll tell you what I will do, I'm gonna give you my promise. Your son is healed. Because I'm gonna say this again, in the spiritual world, seeing is not believing, believing is seeing. I read a story one time about a man who was crossing a desert. This was back in the days of the pioneers, and he ran out of water. Well, he was dying of thirst, and he came upon this water pump near this abandoned shack. There was no water uh, uh, to prime the pump, but he noticed there was a jug of water with this note attached, and here's what the note said. There's just enough water in this jug to prime the pump, but if you drink any of it at all, if you drink any of it first, There won't be enough to prime the pump. The well has never gone dry, even in the worst of times. Pour the water on the top of the pump. Pump the handle quickly. You'll have all the water you can drink. And after you're finished, refill the jug for the man who comes along. Well, god has got to make a decision. He could see the water in the jug. He could only believe the water was in the well. So what's it going to be? Is seeing believing or is believing seeing? The man believed, primed the pump. Guess what? Had all the water he could drink. But he had to believe first there was water in the well before he would ever prime the pump and ever see the water. Here's what I want you to understand. If you don't hear anything else in this message, hear this. With God, you don't receive and then believe. With God, you believe and then receive. See, here's what we say to God. Okay, I'll believe you when you act. God says, I'll act when you believe. That's the way it works. So here's what happened. While he was still on the way, going back to his house, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, now don't miss this word. This is the coolest part of the story. Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Now, did you see that word yesterday? What does that tell you? (laughs) When Jesus said to the man, your son is healed, he waited to go home until the next day. Because we're just told the boy was healed the very afternoon he spoke to Jesus. Now, this man's in Cana. He lives in Capernaum. It's 16 miles. He could have walked home in four hours, could have ridden in a chariot in two hours, could have taken Martha taking 20 minutes, okay? So he's not that far from home. He, he could have gone home that day. But you know what he guys? He stays in Cana. He spends the night. Now, I've often wondered what was he doing? I mean, did he go to Six Flags over Cana? Did he decide to hear Jesus give that seminar on how to turn water into wine? I mean, I don't know what he was doing. Here's the point I want you to understand. The man goes to Jesus, my son's dying. Go, your son is well. And the guy checks into a Holiday Inn, hangs out for the night. He said, man, how can he do that? Real easy. He." took God at his word don't have to go home today my son is healed now I know again what some of you are saying you say you know that's great pastor and I, I I love the story and that's, that's cool for that guy but I could never trust in God like that I, I, I could never have that kind of faith you know you know because you still are convinced no I got to see before I believe can I just be honest with you Not only can you believe in God like that, not only do you have that kind of faith, you exercise that kind of faith every single day. I'm gonna give you a very practical example. We get sick. We go see a doctor. We don't know. He tells us we have a disease we can't spell. He writes out a prescription we can't read to go pick up a medicine we can't pronounce. We take it to a pharmacist we've never seen and we go home and expect to feel better the next morning. I mean, give me a break. Listen, if you can have that kind of faith in a doctor, and you can have that kind of faith in a pharmacist, and you can have that kind of faith in a medicine you can't even pronounce, how much more should you have faith in a God who can do anything, in a God who loves you, in a God who cares for you and a God who says, I will never fail you and I will never forsake you. Listen, when grief strikes, he keeps his word. When God speaks, he keeps his word. And here's the last thing. When grace surfaces, he keeps his word. When grace surfaces, he keeps his word. Now, the story is a great story. and We could stop right there and say, man, that's great. We, we can go home now, but wait, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not the climax of the story. That's not the best part of the story. Let's keep reading. Then the father realized that this was the exact time with Jesus at which Jesus said to him, your son will live. He, you know, he gets home and he says, man, your son's here. By the way, what, what time did he get? Well, one o'clock yesterday, exactly the time Jesus said, go, your son is here. Same time, same place, same station. So he and his whole household believed. This is the second time we're told this man believed. But this is not just a repetition. Trust is mentioned a second time because this man now believed in a totally different way. I want you to hear this. When it comes to Jesus, there are different kinds of belief and there are different kinds of trust. You know, in the Bible, there are different levels of faith and there are different kinds of faith. So if you were to go back in verse 50, this man believed in the promise of Jesus. Go and your son is healed. He took Jesus' word. Okay, I believe you. But now, he doesn't just believe in the promise of Jesus. He believes in the person of Jesus. See, first, he believed what Jesus said and what Jesus could do. But now, he believes in who Jesus was. Here's what I want you to see, because this really relates to where we are today. This man had a totally different agenda from Jesus. He wanted Jesus to deal with his son. Jesus wanted to deal with his soul. He wanted Jesus to give his son new health. Jesus wanted to give this man a new heart. And that's why I love the last part of verse fifty three Listen to this: so he and his whole household believed let's go back two thousand years. Just get this in your mind. This man's walking down the path to his house. His servants seem out the window they Run out the door. They're jumping up and down. They're yelling. They're screaming. They're exciting. They're clapping. They're crying, and all they can talk about is the son, the healing of his son. Your son is well. Your son's not sick. Your son is all right. And the man looks at them calmly, and he said, "I already knew that." Excuse me? Yeah, I already knew that. How, how did you know? Because I met this man, and he told me yesterday, "You can go home. Your son." is healed. And then he got his household around him and here's what he said. Forget about the miracle. Let me tell you about the man that performed the miracle. Forget about how this man restored my son's health. Let me tell you about this man that can take you to heaven. And I have no doubt that that man led his entire household faith. That's the climax of the story. Now, think about this. That boy that got well, he eventually died. The, the dad that took Jesus at his word and had such a great memory of that, he eventually died. That whole household that probably told all their neighbors and their ch- children and their grandchildren, let me tell you what happened one day where I used to work and where I used to live. They all died because one day we're going to die. You have a relative that has the virus. I pray in the name of Jesus that that relative right now is healed. You're healthy and you feel good. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you do not get the virus. But I got news for you. You're gonna die. I'm gonna die. It may be from the virus. It may be from cancer. It may be from a stroke. It may be from diabetes. It may be from a car crash. It may be from a terrorist bombing. We're gonna die, but let me tell you something. That household, that dad, that son, they never forgot the day that they learned that God's word is his bond. And he has both life and death under control. So let me tell you about this God that I'm asking you to believe in. This God I'm asking you to focus on. This God I'm asking you to love. This God I'm asking you to draw closer to than you've ever been in your life. This God has given us his word that his plan for us never fails, that his power in us never falters, that his purpose for us never falls. Faith is not believing that God can do something. Listen to me. Faith is not believing that God can do something. Faith is knowing he will. So pastor, how's all this going to end? I don't know exactly when it's going to end or where it's going to end or totally how it's going to end. But I'll tell you what I do know. I do know that from the beginning of this crisis to the end of it, God will provide. God will guide and we will make it to the other side because his word is his bond. Would you pray with me right now? Let me give you a word from God that he's never broken. You ready? If you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. If you're listening to me right now, I want you to hear me, listen to me carefully. Suppose you got the virus yesterday. Suppose you died this morning before you even heard this message. Do you know, not think, not hope, not feel, do you know for sure you'd be in heaven right now? If you're honest, a lot of you'd have to say, no pastor, I, I don't know that for sure. I or, or I know I wouldn't be. I just wanna ask you a question. Will you take God at his word? He's given it. If you'll do your part, he'll do his. And if you right now would say, you know what? I don't know if that's, For me or not, I don't know if that's true for me or not. I don't know whether I'd go to heaven or not, or I know that I wouldn't, but I'd like to. Man, I'm I'm tired of facing all I'm facing with fear. I'd like to face it in a God that can't fail me. I'd like to give my life to that God. Would you just tell him that? Just say, I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. You are that savior. I believe you died for my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead. I believe you're alive right now. Please, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I take you at your word. I receive your forgiveness. I receive eternal life. I receive you into my heart. And I know it's real and I know it's true because you keep your word. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for saving me today. Now, would you just look at the screen for just a moment? If you prayed that prayer to receive Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, I want you to do something right now. I want you to go to www.crosspointchurch.com forward slash decision. Do it right now or cut and copy, whatever. But make sure you write this down. And when you get a moment, go to that. Would you just let us know about your decision? We're still believing God to do great things even though we're not here. God can work over the airways just as good as he worked from here to a pew or to a chair. So I'm gonna ask you, if you made a decision for Christ today, would you go to that? By the way, if you got a prayer request, send it to that website right there. I promise you, every prayer request you send will be prayed over. Now, we're about to have a closing song, but before we do that, let me just say two last things. Last week, we introduced this card to you. I'm asking all of you to take five neighbors that you don't know. Simply go to your neighbor, give them this card. You're just simply asking them two questions. How can I serve you? How can I pray for you? And believe it or not, you just might get a chance to have a spiritual conversation to point people to Jesus and inspire them to live the cross-shaped life. Now, having said that, I don't know when we're going to be back. I don't know how long I'm going to be doing this. But I want you to know, my people, your pastor loves you. I'm in this with you. I have to trust the same God, and I get to trust the same God that you do. But I'll tell you what I'm determined I'm not going to do. I am not going to waste this trouble. I ask God every day, Lord, draw me closer to you than I've ever been. May I fall more in love with you than I've ever been in my life. And God, use me during this time so that when all this is over, I can look back and say, I didn't live in fear. I lived in the faith of the God who keeps his word. I'm praying for you. Have a great week.